All right. If you have your Bible, go ahead and open up to John chapter 6, verse 22 through 40. Now, the kids are here again, and so at different times, we're going to be addressing the kids in our service. But here's, here's one of the things. One of the things that my kids like the most when we're driving in the car, if we're doing things, they want me to do something while we're driving. Who, who wants to guess what my kids ask me to do while we're driving? Sing? No, they don't ask me to sing much. What, what do they, they hear enough of that. What do, they, what do you think they ask? Tell me a story. Tell me a story. Tell me a story of when you were young. Tell, tell me a story. Make up one. Right now, we've, we're doing the story of, of these two kids who have special powers named Jack and Elena. We've done two parts so far. They've asked how many parts. We just ended on a cliffhanger. Um, I don't really know how many parts there are. It kind of is developing as we go. But kids, today in our passage, we're continuing a story. But this story is kind, was one of the types of stories that I like the most because it's a story looking for treasure. The people in our story are searching for something that is valuable. And when you think of different stories, if you think of most stories, uh, we could think of Aladdin, who Aladdin has to go and he seeks out the, the, the lamp because he wants to find the treasure. But that's not really what Aladdin is looking for. He's not looking for treasure. What Aladdin's looking for is the girl. In any story that you think about, usually there's something, there's some treasure that they're looking for. So in our story, that's kind of what's happening. And I want you, as you're thinking through this story, we're going to go on a journey too. This is a quest, a quest for treasure. Now last week, there were, when we're thinking about the beginning of this story, what we saw, there was a whole big group of people. And these people were normal people. They were like you, they were like me. But someone had told them, they had heard about this person. And this person was doing amazing things. It says that they were all coming because they had seen or they had heard about these things that this person was doing. And so they go on this journey and they get to this place and they find the person they're looking for. And then he does something amazing. He does something so powerful. They had never even, they, they never even imagined that. In fact, they had legends that talked about other people doing this, but it had been thousands of years before. They had heard of people doing things, but now they saw something. They saw this incredible miracle. If you remember, the miracle was that this man who I think you guys know who the man was, Jesus, he fed the 5,000. And it was probably way more than 5,000. But he fed them. And that was amazing to them. But do you know what happened right after that? Poof, he disappeared. 
the man who had done this amazing thing that they wanted to make him their king because he was so powerful, he went away. And, and they knew how he had gotten there because he had come on a boat. And then they saw his disciples leave. They got into a boat. But where's Jesus? And so now they're going to start their quest. They're going to start looking for something that they think is really valuable. So, kids, can you go on this journey with me? Okay, can we go on this and start on this journey to see what they're going to find and see if they really can find treasure? Because I think if we listen, that we might be able to find some treasure with them. The people in our passage saw something amazing, something they couldn't explain, and they wanted more of it. And so they went on this journey. Here's our big idea. Seek Jesus, for he is the only one who truly satisfies. Seek Jesus, for he is the only one who truly satisfies. Let's read the first part of our passage. On the next day, so this is after they saw the amazing miracle, the crowd that remained, so not all 5,000, but just the ones that remained, on the other side of the sea saw that, there had, saw that there had only been one boat there and that Jesus had not entered the boat with his disciples, but that his disciples had gone away alone. Other boats from Tiberias came near the place where they had eaten the bread after the Lord had given thanks. So when the crowd saw that Jesus was not there, nor his disciples, they themselves got into the boats and went to Capernaum seeking Jesus. All right, here's the question for us. Right now, this passage is first doing a transition for us because we know where Jesus is. If you remember, there was a story that happened in between the, heal, the, the feeding of the 5,000. Then something else happened, but only the disciples and Jesus know about it. It was another miracle. What did Jesus do? Who can remember? He walked on water. Now, the crowd doesn't know that happened. They saw Jesus go one way, the disciples go the other way, and now they're looking for the guy they want to make king, this powerful person, and they can't find him. So they think, well, wait a second. Hmm, where could Jesus be? Where could we look? Well, we know he likes to travel with his disciples, and we know that kind of his home base, he keeps on going back to Capernaum. So you know what we should do? Let's go look in Capernaum. Maybe that will be the clue. Maybe that will give us some clues on this quest. And so they leave. And it says at the end of the passage that they are seeking Jesus. Why do you think that they are seeking Jesus? That's a question not for just us to ask them, but for us to ask anyone, why are they seeking Jesus? And the passage that's going to come is going to explain what they are seeking. Are they really seeking Jesus? Are they really looking to Jesus to satisfy, to be their true satisfaction? Now, one of the things I want to do before we, we continue um, is I think that there's a, a, a cultural disconnect 
there's a reality that we face that's different from the reality of the people in this story. See, we look at them and we're like, man, this is a lot of effort for bread. But that's a different reality for us versus them. I, I mean, if you were to think about just in your, own, in your own home, how much food did you throw out this week? How much food, you know, if you look at your trash bag, and, and there's a, probably a good reality that it's a substantial amount because we even need to protect our trash from other animals. Why? Because it's full of food. We were do, uh, talking about this passage earlier, and uh, while we were talking about it, do you know what we had? Donuts. We had food. The reality for us is everywhere you go, there's food. And so when we're thinking about food, we might not necessarily understand what's happening here. But think about their reality of that they really needed, even the Lord's Prayer, give us our daily bread. That this wasn't a guarantee. There might be some of you here, this is a reality for some people, there might be some of you here who have faced hunger. Who truly have faced something where you did not know if you were going to eat that day. But most likely, none of you have faced that. Maybe, maybe some of you had, and I'm not taking away from that, but the reality is that most of us really have never faced that kind of question of, am I going to eat? What's going to happen? But for these people then, someone who provides bread, that's a treasure. If we were to think about this a little differently, and I don't want to take away from the metaphor too much, but if we were to think about this, think if, if a crowd of people went to hear a guy that they, man, this guy is, is fantastic, and, and this man, as an illustration, gives everyone $1,000. Just as an illustration, he's like, everyone here, I'm just going gonna, 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 gonna to take this money, and I'm going to reproduce it, and everyone here has $1,000. How do you think our society would react to that? Okay, where, where's he going next? Is he going to do the illustration again? Can we follow him there? There's a value to what he's doing that we might not necessarily understand with our reality. And so as you're thinking through this, don't just think bread, but think something valuable, a treasure, this quest that they're seeking. And so they're seeking Jesus. Verse 25 then says, When they found him on the other side of the sea, they said to him, Rabbi, when did you come here? Now again, kids, here's my question. How did Jesus get to the other side? How did they, he get to the other side, kids? He walked on water. Not something that you should just expect. If you don't know where someone is and you're near a, a huge lake, you shouldn't assume that the person just walked to the other side of the lake, right? That's not something that's normal. And so they're looking, and they get to the other side, and they went with the boat, and they're thinking, wait a second. There was only one boat. Jesus wasn't in that boat. We got into the other boats, which is a way faster way across. How did Jesus get to the other side? Now that seems like a good question. I would be curious about that. Do you guys think that Jesus answers the question? Nope. Look what Jesus says. Jesus answered them, truly, truly, I say to you, you are seeking me not because you saw signs, 
but because you ate your fill of the loaves. Jesus doesn't answer their questions. It says he answered them, but what he is really answering is what's going on inside. See, Jesus knows what treasure they're looking for. He knows what they're seeking and what they're pursuing. And do you think that they're pursuing him? No. What are they, what are they pursuing? Full bellies. They're looking for Jesus. And Jesus tells them, you're not seeking me because you saw signs, but because you ate your fill of the loaves. Now, what Jesus is showing them is what treasure they're looking for. And the problem that Jesus is showing them is you're looking for the wrong treasure. You're pursuing the wrong thing. Now, Jesus says, you're not seeking me because of a sign. What was the sign that, that, that Jesus did? He gave them. Five, he fed the 5,000. That's a big sign. Now, here's the thing. Did they see that? Did they see the miracle Jesus did? Yeah. They saw the miracle. That's why they're following him. That's why they wanted to make him king. They're doing things because they saw that. But why does Jesus then say, but you didn't see the sign? How could they see the miracle but miss the sign? Because they're not looking and understanding what it was. See, the miracle was giving them food to eat. But the sign was showing who Jesus was. Who is Jesus? That's a question that we're asking in the Gospel of John. John is showing us who is Jesus. And when Jesus did the miracle, when he made the 5,000, he fed the 5,000, what miracle, what did he show with that? Who is Jesus? He's God. Have you ever been able to feed 5,000 people with a couple pieces of bread and a little bit of fish? Maybe in the imagination type of eating that we sometimes do of, of you get your Play-Doh and you cut it and then eat this, but, but don't swallow it. Okay, and then you take that same piece of bread and you go over and you f feed your mom and dad and then you feed your brother and you do all those things. I mean, if Jesus fed them like that, we can see other people doing that, but that's not what Jesus did. Jesus gave them real food. They ate all of these things. And they saw that. But they didn't understand what it meant. And that meant that they were seeking the wrong treasure. They weren't seeking Jesus as the one that truly satisfies. They were looking for Jesus as the one who can satisfy their bellies. Jesus tells them, you're following me because of the miracle, because you want more bread. You aren't following me because of the sign. You aren't following me because you understand who I am. And this is where Jesus then shows that he is a master teacher. He takes what's happening, he takes what they've been doing, and he turns it into a lesson. He uses their story, he uses what they've done, and he teaches them truth. Look what he says in verse 27. Do not work for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give to you. 
for on him God the Father has set his seal. Jesus tells them, don't work for the food that perishes. Now, one of the things that uh, kids and, and adults, when you buy food, there is a category of food called perishable items, perishable food, like fruit. How many kids, and I want to see if you raise your hand, how many of you kids have seen food get rotten? Maybe you like a banana that was really nice and yellow, but then it started getting black, and then you start seeing that I don't know where they come from, but these flies that all of a sudden appear from nowhere. I'm not sure what, where they came from, but they're all of a sudden there, and you see that food, and what is happening to that food? It's dying. It's rotting. But not only does the food perish, what about even the people who eat that food? What's happening to all of us? We're slowly moving towards death. This food that, that you, they're, they're looking for, the thing that they're seeking, they're pursuing, he's saying, look, it's important food. It's, it's good to eat. Okay, when you go home after, you're going to eat food. That's good. But that's not the most important food. Don't work for the food that perishes, but... Do work for the food that endures to eternal life. Kids, one of the things that, that we're going to start seeing is that this, this bread that Jesus is talking about, this, this can kind of fit into a lot of different areas for our life. And it's not just literally things that we eat. What are the things that you're chasing after? What are the things that we think, oh, this will satisfy my hunger? When we talk about one of the things that, that uh, people will say a lot is, man, you've got to be hungry. You've got to be, we, we want someone in this job who's hungry for it, that they're going to pursue this, that they're going to go after it. Any commercial that you watch is made to make you hungry for that thing. Hey, kid, if, if you want to have fun, this is the toy you need. That's going to satisfy you. If, you, if you're hungry, you need to eat this Big Mac. That will satisfy you. Oh, if, if you, don't, you, you don't feel uh, attractive and cool, you need to buy this car. That will satisfy you. But what Jesus says is don't work for the food that perishes. All of those things don't last. How often do we need to hear that same truth? Stop pursuing treasures that don't satisfy. It's what Jesus says in Matthew 6. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. All they, what Jesus is showing them is, look, you're pursuing the wrong treasure. The treasure that you're going after doesn't, doesn't last. Imagine if in one of your stories about pursuing treasure, let's say it's a pirate story, and they have treasure that's buried, and they go after this, and they get to the treasure, and they open it up, and inside is rotten oranges. Well, when someone put the first oranges in and they buried it, they were great oranges, but now they're rotten. Do you, would you be disappointed if that's the treasure that you found after doing all of these things? 
I would. So Jesus is warning them, don't pursue the things that perish. Instead, work for the food that endures to eternal life. Now, many of you, as students of the Word, when you read this verse, you might have a little question, maybe a little red light that pops up that says, wait a second, work for the food that endures to eternal life? I'm pretty sure that one of the things we talk about all the time here is salvation is not by works. So what's going on here that Jesus says, don't work for that food, but do work for the food that endures? To understand what Jesus is saying, we must understand that there are different kinds of work. The work we most often think about is the work that means to earn something. That you're working to earn a payment. It's work you are paid for. This is the type of work that the Jews are most familiar with. It's the work that we are most familiar with. That when you work, so a lot of your parents, they work at a place and then they are paid for that. That payment wasn't a gift. They earned it. That's the type of work that we talk about a lot. But there's another kind of work. There's a work that means to pursue something. It's the work of going after something. It doesn't mean you've earned it. Let, let, me, let me just try to illustrate this real quick. Let's say, um, so there's, there's a man named Jeff Bezos who he owns Amazon. He's the richest, richest man in the whole world. Now, he has so, 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 so much money that he could give me more money than I will get in my entire life, and it's about what he earns in 10 seconds. That's, he has so much money. Now, let's say that I know he has money, and I also know that there's a problem, but I can fix the problem. And so for three months, I work on this thing that's going to help Amazon ship things better to your house. And I do this whole thing, and I know that this product is going to really help Jeff Bezos. And Jeff Bezos hears about this product, and he comes to me and he says, Stephen, I see the work you've done. I like it. I'd like to pay you $200, $200 million for the work you've done. Okay, did I earn that money? Yeah, I worked hard for that. He, I earned that. Now let's imagine, again, I didn't do any work, but this time I'm like, man, I need money. I, I have this problem. So let me just, I, I need to ask Jeff Bezos for the money. And so I just start pursuing Jeff Bezos. And I start trying to email him. And I, I try calling him. I try doing all these things. I put billboards. I stand outside of his office with a sign, Jeff Bezos, give me money. And after three months, he, gives, he comes to me and he gives me $200 million. Now, did I work for that money? Yeah, kind of. Did I earn that money? No. Did any of the three months that I do benefit Jeff Bezos? Did it help him? Did it do anything for him? Did I work for him? Did I earn something? No. There's different kinds of work in the Bible. One of the problems is that we think that we can earn salvation. That, God, I'm going to work really hard, and then we're gonna, you're going to pay me for what I've done. You're going to look at all the good things I did and say, you know what? 
Stephen, I, I think you deserve to be in heaven. I'm just looking at you. I'm just looking at the transcript here. I'm, looking, I'm logging your hours, and I'm like, yeah, I, I think you deserve this. If we think that kind of work, we're wrong. That's what the Jews thought. That's the type of work they thought. But that's not the work that Jesus is talking about. So how do we know what work Jesus is talking about? Well, we have to remember the story. Jesus says, don't work for the food that perishes. Well, what have they done? That's what they've been doing. They've been working for the food that perishes. They got into a boat and crossed the sea to find Jesus. They sought Jesus. They found Jesus. They're asking Jesus questions. Now, they've pursued Jesus in order to get that bread. They've worked, but they haven't earned it. Do you see the difference? And so why does Jesus talk about the work here? Because he's using what they've done, and he's trying to correct it. He's saying you're working, you're pursuing the wrong thing. But he's also teaching them, he's challenging them, because they are thinking about the wrong work. He's going to show them that there is a right type of work and a wrong type of work. There's a work that you should do for salvation, that there's a work that you can try as much as you want, but will never work. Because look what he says. The Son of Man will give it to you. Not the Son of Man will pay you. If it was the work of earning, then Jesus would pay them eternal life. But that's not what's happening. Jesus gives them eternal life. It's a present. And he guarantees the gift. He says, for on him God the Father has set his seal. God the Father authenticated this is the real deal. Jesus is offering something that he has the power to give. It's not, he's, Jesus isn't signing checks with nothing in the bank account. What Jesus is offering, he can really give. The treasure that he wants to give you, Jesus can give. And look at how Jesus always connects things back to the Father. Over and over again, Jesus links things back to the Father. We've seen that as we've gone through the book of John. But now the, the, the Jews are going to respond. And do we think that the Jews understand the right kind of work that Jesus is talking about? No. Look at verse 28. Then they said to him, what must we do to be doing the works of God? Now, remember, I said that Jesus was challenging and correcting wrong thinking. The Jews are still looking at the work of earning. What must we do to work the works of God? How do we earn this? What's the secret formula? What kind of work does God require? And this is one of the things that the Jews were really struggling with then. They thought, okay, the, the, the treasure has a, a combination lock. On the front of it. If you want to get the treasure that God has, then you need to find the right code and you need to do it the right way. And if you get the right formula, then you're going to get treasure. So you need to work to find out what that formula is. What do we do? Jesus, what's the formula? Give us the combination. Tell us what work we need to do to earn this. But Jesus is going to show them that they're looking at the wrong kind of work. So look what Jesus answers again. 
Verse 29, Jesus answered them, This is the work of God, that you believe in him whom he has sent. Do you want the formula? You want to know what the secret is? What this work of God really looks like? And they're like, yeah, tell us, Jesus. We're, we're ready. Okay, tell us. Um, how, much, how many times do I need to give at church? How much money, how much if I get do I need to do? How kind do I need to be to someone else? T- tell us the formula. We're ready. Believe in him whom he has sent. That's the work. That's not a work of earning. That's the work of receiving. Receiving the gift that God offers. Now what's interesting, though, about this is that there's really two ways that we can read this phrase. The first way we could read it is, what is the wor- that Jesus could be saying, this is the work that God requires, that you believe in him whom he has sent. Now, when we talk about what is the work that God requires, believe in him, that's showing us our human responsibility. This is what God requires. Believe in him. Now, what kind of work is that? It's kind of ironic. It's a work that stops working. It's not a work that you're doing. It's a work that lets go and says, God, I believe you did the work. God, I believe that you sent your son to die on the cross, that he did the work that I could never do. He earned what I could never earn. So God, I'm going to stop trying. I'm going to believe in you. That's a human responsibility that we must believe. We must respond. But the other way we can read this is looking at divine sovereignty. What is the work that God enables? The work of God, God's work, that you believe in him whom he has sent. One of the things that we're going to see as we continue through this passage, we've seen Jesus talk about human responsibility, work for this. Don't work for food that perishes, but do work for food that endures. So there is a human responsibility. But later in the passage, what we're going to see is the divine sovereignty. Those whom God gives come to Jesus. And so the work that of God is the work that God enables because we can't find the treasure on our own. We can't believe Jesus on our own. We can't respond the way God wants us to respond unless he does the work first. So in this phrase, we see both of these realities, that you have a responsibility, but your salvation is because of divine sovereignty. Human responsibility, divine sovereignty. That's the only way that you can have the treasure that satisfies. We know it's not the work that we think of in Ephesians 2, for by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It's not something that you earned. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. So then they challenge him. They're like, okay, let, let's, let's see if this is, is real. Verse 30 and 31. So they said to him, 
Then what sign do you do that we may see and believe? What work do you perform? Our fathers ate the manna in the wilderness as it is written. He gave them bread from heaven to eat. You know what the, the irony is? In the last passage, that they wanted Jesus to be a, their king. And you know what the first thing they wanted to do with their king? Force him to obey them. That's not really how you treat a king. The irony in this passage is, what did they call Jesus right at the beginning? Rabbi, teacher, what are they challenging now? What he's teaching. But they take this opportunity, right? And, and at first, they have kind of an opportunistic demand. Remember, kids, what did I say that they were seeking before? What was the treasure that they wanted? Bread. They wanted to be fed again. So now Jesus has talked about this thing, and they kind of take the opportunity to kind of get back to what they really were looking for in the first place. What sign do you do that we may believe you? What work do you perform? Um, I don't know, Jesus. I'm just going to think off of the top of my head. Hmm, what sign would work in this circumstance? I mean, this is just out of the blue. I, I don't know why this came to my head, but I don't know. I mean, Moses gave us bread. Do you want to try that? Maybe? Like, they're going back to that because that's what they really want. That's still what they think their treasure is. But there's something more because they've seen that sign. Maybe not all of them. Jesus is at the synagogue in Capernaum. Maybe some of the people here didn't see the sign and they're asking to be part of it. But we know that several of these people did see the sign and they're going back to that. They've already seen the sign, but they refuse it. But there's also something a little deeper going on here. See, Jesus has told them, I'm a better treasure. You're looking for the wrong treasure. The treasure that you're seeking, it dies, it rots, it goes away. The treasure that I offer, though, is eternal. I'm the better treasure. But here's the thing. Someone else they can think of gave them a treasure like this. Moses. Back in the Old Testament, they're like, wait, Moses gave us good things. Moses gave us the law works. Moses gave us the law for us to do things to earn salvation. Moses confirmed who he was when he gave us bread. Moses freed us from captivity. Jesus, are you saying that you're better than Moses? If you're better than Moses, you've got to do a better sign than him. You need to give us something more. But one of the things that John, the author, is doing, he over and over shows that, yes, Jesus is is better. Right at the beginning, Jesus is the better Passover lamb. Later, Jesus is the better temple. With the woman at the well, Jesus is the better Jacob. Jesus is the better healer, salvation, all of these things. And we come to here, and Jesus is the better Moses. What Jesus is doing right here is Jesus is challenging their framework. Jesus is challenging how they see the world. See, they're looking and they think that the way that you get the treasure is by earning it, that you work for it. And Jesus is saying, no, that's the wrong kind of work. This is a big deal, though, because this is totally different. This is a totally par different paradigm from what they had trusted. And, but Jesus is saying, no, I'm the sign. You didn't, if you see me, you would understand that what I'm saying is true. I bear the seal of the Father. He confronts their bad theology. 
Jesus says, said to them, Truly, truly, I said to you, it was not Moses who gave you the bread from heaven. Well, if it wasn't Moses, who did give it? God did. See, Moses isn't your hope of salvation. Jesus had already challenged them on that back in John chapter 5. He says, Do not think that I will accuse you to the Father. There is one who accuses you, Moses, on whom you have set your hope. For if you believed Moses, you would believe me, for he wrote of me. But if you do not believe his writings, how will you believe my words? They didn't really understand what Moses did. Moses didn't save them from Egypt. God did. Moses didn't give them bread from heaven. God did. They even misunderstood the purpose of the law. They thought that the law that Moses had given them would save them, but it couldn't. For since, because uh, Hebrews tells us, since the law has but a shadow of the good things to come instead of the true form of these realities, it can never, by the same sacrifices that are continually offered every year, make perfect those who draw near. But in these sacrifices, there is a reminder of sins every year. For it is impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. You misunderstood. This isn't the way that the treasure is found. This is the wrong kind of work. But my Father gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. They look and they say, okay, all right, Jesus, you're, you're offering a better bread than Moses. You want to fine, we're game. Sir, give us this bread always. Now, at face value, that's the right thing to say. But they still don't understand exactly what the treasure is. They are still holding on to maybe, just maybe, Jesus might still be giving us real bread. We might still get a lunch out of this. But now Jesus is going to explain exactly what he means. Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. It's me. I'm the treasure you're seeking. I'm the one you should be pursuing. Remember, they're, they're looking and they're comparing, and they're saying, no, 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 Jesus, I, I don't think you get it. Uh, let, we'll explain it to you again. No, G Moses gave us real stuff. Like, we had real bread from Moses. So if you're going to be better, like, you've, you've got to give us real stuff. And Jesus is saying, I am better. Moses, you're looking to Moses as the one who freed you from the captivity of Egypt. I'm the one who frees you from the captivity of sin and death. You think that Moses sustained you in the desert and gave you bread to eat? I'm the one that gives you bread that endures to eternity. A bread that sustains you and gives you life. You think that Moses offered a way to save you through the law? I bring you grace and truth. I fulfill the law. I bring you true salvation. I'm the treasure. I'm your hope. I'm the solution. I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. I'm the one who truly satisfies. Seek Jesus, for he is the only one who truly satisfies. Whatever it is, kids, if you're looking for things, every commercial you watch is going to tell you this is what satisfies you. It's a lie. 
it won't satisfy you. It will rot. Jesus is saying, I'm the one who really will satisfy you. I'm the bread of life. I'm the living water. Come to me and you will never hunger. You will never thirst. I bring true satisfaction. But the problem was is that, look what he says in 30, verse 36, but I said to you that you have seen me and yet do not believe. See, the problem is that Jesus is better. Jesus brings satisfaction. Jesus is our true hope. But even though all those things are true, they do nothing for the one who does not believe. Jesus is all of the things that he promises. But if you don't believe that, if you don't receive that, then you will not be satisfied. But there's hope. Because all that the Father gives me will come to me. And whoever comes to me, I will never cast out. For I have come down from heaven, not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I should lose nothing of all that he has given me, but raise it up on the last day. For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who looks on the Son and believes in him should have eternal life, should have the treasure. And I will raise him up on the last day. Jesus shows them truth. He shows the divine sovereignty. All that the Father gives me will come to me. He shows our divine security. Whoever comes to me, I will never cast out. For I have come down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I should lose nothing of all that he has given me. There's a security. Not only, hey, God chooses you, you're going to come. But when you come, you can be secure in that. This treasure does not rot and rust. This treasure remains. It shows us our divine salvation. All that he has given me, but he will raise it up on the last day. For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who looks on the Son and believes in him should have eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. Jesus saves us. But there's a human responsibility. We must believe. Everyone who looks on the Son and believes in him. This is what Jesus said earlier. I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will, shall not hunger. Whoever believes in me shall not never thirst. Come, believe. It's the same thing. Come to Jesus. Believe in Jesus. That's the response that we need. But you might look at this and say, say well, but well, if God's the one that picks, like, how, how, how are we going to know? What do we do? Like, if there's a divine sovereignty, and I don't know, I don't know who God has picked, look at what it says. It's a universal opportunity. How do you know if God picked you? If you come to Jesus. Look, everyone who looks on the Son and believes in Him. That's the promise. This is a universal opportunity. Come to Jesus. That's the treasure. Seek Jesus, for he is the only one who truly satisfies. So here's, here's how we're going to end. Kids, we're kind of going to end on a cliffhanger right here. Because the question is, how are the Jews going to respond? And next week, Pastor Billy is going to show us. But there's a more important question right now to find out if the Jews find the treasure. 
That's an important question. We want to find out if the Jews found the treasure, but there's a more important question. Here's the question. Are you ready? Are you going to find the treasure? Are you going to get the treasure that Jesus offers? Are you going to find satisfaction in Christ? Again, everything around you is telling you, this is what you need to be happy. This is what you need to be satisfied. Jesus is saying, I'm the one you need to be satisfied. But I also want to apply this for the parents that are here. Because before I, before I get to the parents, the, the reality is, if you are here and you're looking for other things, if you're, you have not placed your faith in Jesus Christ, you're not going to find satisfaction. Jesus is the only one who satisfies. Believe in him. Come to Jesus. Seek Jesus. But what about those of us who are believers? What truth does this have for us? Well, let me ask you, are you running after bread that perishes or the bread of life? You've been given the bread of life. Jesus is our satisfaction. But how much do we run after these other things? That's a hard thing to, understand, to, to, to evaluate for ourselves. So I'm going to give one, one helpful one real quick. We have a lot of parents here. I'm not throwing you under the bus because if you're under the bus, then so am I. If I were to ask your kids right now, hey, what do you think your, satisfies your parents? When you watch what your parents do, what they run after, what do you think is the satisfaction that they're running after? That's a hard question. What am I, what are we as parents training our children to pursue? What do we put on their schedule? What do we fill their time with? What do they see us pursuing? What are we training them that when they are older, they're going to think, this is what brings satisfaction because this is what I saw my parents running after every day of their life. See, the reality is that we need to not seek the things of this earth. We need to seek and set our mind on the things that are above, the things that matter. Do we believe that Jesus truly satisfies What's priority in your life? What, what do you spend the, your quality time on? A couple nights ago, we had the power go out. How many of you went through a little bit of withdrawal when you couldn't watch anything on the computer, you couldn't watch Netflix? At my house, I, also, I, I don't have good cell service, so I lost all of it. It was a little harder to, than I wish. I, I, I would rather not admit how hard that was for me. What are we pursuing? What are we going after every day? What are we showing our kids really matters? Uh, earlier I was talking to Bill Mulligan and, and I just said, Hey Bill, what, what would you give as encouragement as a young man? What would you encourage other young men? And he said, Don't, don't, pray, don't chase the bread. He's like, don't, don't chase the bread. It's like, you know, in, in, in my former life, that, that's what I lived for. I lived for chasing bread and it doesn't satisfy. The last thing I want to do as the worship team comes up is just to read Colossians 3 for us, 1 through 4. 
If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Kids, adults, everyone, seek Jesus, for he is the only one who truly satisfies. He's the treasure. So the question is, is he the treasure you are seeking? Is he the treasure that satisfies your heart?